1: And welcome back. This is Jeremy Williams, and you're tuning in to the Survive Scale Soar podcast, the podcast for the entrepreneur built by entrepreneurs. Today, I'll be joined by Josh Brisbane, surfer, fighter, serial entrepreneur, and the owner of the Savage Syndicate. We talk about the importance of self defense, waves, and everyone's favorite topic, sharks. Before we get started with our guests, a quick reminder: if today's episode moves you makes you think differently, makes you laugh, or you know it may help someone, be sure to share it. And Josh, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you, Jeremy. I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? Oh, doing, doing great. If any better, it'd be illegal. <laughs> Probably is in some states now. Yeah, It is, especially yeah, the further north you go, east and west. But I know you live out west, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, Josh, you're, you're a surfer. You're a fighter. You train people to fight. You you've got a beach apparel store. Uh, you've got what's called the Savage Syndicate, and you spend a lot of time talking about how it's you know how to make yourself hard to be killed. So I want to want to touch a little bit on those today. Tell tell us about yourself, though. Yeah, so I'm out here on the West Coast. Um, I grew up out
0: here, born and raised in Southern California. Um, as soon as I, I grew up inland, for people who don't know California, I grew up about 45 minutes from the beach. Uh, as soon as I graduated uh, high school at 18, I moved to the beach and uh, that, that changed my life. Surfing is, is what I do. It's unfortunately it doesn't pay the bills, but uh, it's a passion. Um, I, 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 I got it at a young age. Fortunately for me, my mom used to drive me to the beach all the time. Uh, so I surf, Um and then I got into mixed martial arts randomly, my, my friend and I were boxing one time and, uh, I heard his ribs cracked his ribs and he was a server at a restaurant. Um, and the manager at the restaurant said, you know, his name was Tom. He said, Tom, why don't you hold the tray up like a normal server? And he says, I can't, I popped my ribs. And me and my buddy were boxing. And he said, boxing, he says, well, if you want to learn how to fight, come to my gym. So my buddy told me that. And so we went to a high school gym. Uh, the guy knew the principal had the high, had the keys to the gym and, we just started. He was a judo. He was an Olympic judo guy. Um, and for those of you that don't know, judo is a lot of throws, a lot of hip checks and get you to the ground. Um, so there's two ways you could do fighting. You could either get the shit kicked out of you on day one and never come back. Or you could do like me, love it and get the shit kicked out of you, but come back day after day and just take it to the next level. So I was one of those people. I, I was at, you know, 6'2", 225, thought I'd go in there. And just manhandle people, and I didn't. I got humbled, and that's the main thing. What most people do is they think, "Oh, I'm good on the ground," or "I'm going." The... They don't think they're going to lose, right? They don't go to a fight academy or a fight school and think they're going to lose. They think they're the tough guy, and it's the first thing from the truth. Every everybody I know gets humbled. They get tied up in jiu-jitsu, They get hit or whatever. Um, but it changed my life. You know, I, I, in high school, I did soccer or football and, and all those, those team sports. But I chose two sports, surfing and fighting, that can't be more individual sports if you tried. I mean, if surfing and something goes wrong, I'm the only one to blame. If fighting something goes wrong, I get knocked out or lose or tap, whatever. It's my own fault. Um, so I, I was gravitate I gravitated to those, those two sports because it was all on me. Um, the fighting is like a chess match to me. I know a lot of people think, oh, you know, they're, br- it's brutal Two guys get in a cage and it's, you know, that, that's just so barbaric. And a lot of people call it a human cockfight, uh, to me and everybody I know who fights is very intelligent, very well-mannered, very well-spoken. And it's just the stigmata that the fighters have is, is hundred percent wrong. And everything that I've ever been a part of. Um, so we can get more into fighting later, but then I started a company. I was in, I was in sales. I was in outdoor sales. Um, and then I started my own company and I think it was 2010, 2011. Um, like most people I got laid off and I thought I'm not into the corporate world. I, I don't play nice with the bullshit of trying to get to the next level and, uh, you know, kissing the asses that you had to kiss. Uh, so when I got laid off, um, somebody said, Hey, you know, you could start this business, Or I I started a personal training business. um, And then it led into a marketing company where we were marketing um, products. So like, if you go to Costco um, and those people are saying, Hey, do you want to try this drink or do you want to try this beef jerky or whatever? We call those brand ambassadors. So I had a marketing company that uh, that would supply the brand ambassadors to brokers and stuff like that. So um, I got the entrepreneur bug. And it just skyrocketed from there. So since 2010 or 11, I've been on my own to, that, you know, 10, 11 years. Um, and I love it. And so with my surfing, fighting, I own a couple of different businesses. Businesses, And now I am creating the Savage Syndicate, which to me, fighting has always been something that once you get me going, kind of like now, I can just rattle on a thousand different stories and, and scenarios. But it's something I'm passionate about. So Uh, My wife actually suggested I get a podcast with surfers and fighters, and that morphed into the Savage Waterman podcast, where I did have fighters, I did have surfers, and then I started getting entrepreneurs, I started getting, um, you know, like Mark Evans, the mastermind groups, I started getting people that anybody who I find who could add value or interest in me, to me, I just had on the podcast. And then that parlayed into the Savage Syndicate, because I find a lot of people don't know how to defend themselves, don't know how to fight. Um, and and are are scared to leave the house because of the crazy world we live in, especially nowadays, in 2022, Um, they don't have the skills that if something happens, I mean, we always, you know, we don't want anything to happen. We don't want bad things to happen to good people, but it does happen. And so the Savage Syndicate is going to help facilitate, get you to the jujitsu classes, help you with boxing, help you with Muay Thai and everything you can to make you, like you said earlier, hard to kill. So that's my newest project. Um, I'm working on the website right now. Um, It's going to be called Savage Syndicate. It's going to be kind of like a mastermind group where you pay uh, a monthly fee to be a member. And it's just going to be, you know, I have access to a lot of fighters, um, UFC fighters, Bellator fighters. And I'll have that access to everybody who's in the member as well. So it's it's a fun project, it's a passion project um and i'm looking forward to kicking that off in the
1: you know, next week or two yeah that that hard to kill i always hear you say that on your on your instagram your reels yeah. uh, you know stay stay hard to kill and you know i think there is something to that i've always taught my kid to defend himself and he took taekwondo got his black belt and first star and he's actually had to put it to some use um on the on the playground Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily to defend himself, it was to defend his friends, and stand up for, for him. Um, and, and I think of an incident that just happened here in our local area, you should look it up, it's uh, Kingwood, Texas, there was a, a big fight at a high school, and it wasn't really even a fight, there was a kid that recorded it, which is disgusting on its, on its own, because uh, he just basically watched his kid get pummeled. And this kid just went, probably three, four pretty violent swings. Kid ends up having broken jaw, hospitalized, concussion, uh, pretty, pretty bad deal. And just from the, from the videos, either he was choosing not to fight, like he wanted to avoid it, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, wasn't ready for what was coming. And it was, it was absolute, absolute violence. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're seeing that a lot in this world. And I see a lot of the videos that you share, you know, when you're in a parking lot, don't be looking down at your phone, you know, when you get into your car, make sure you're looking around, you know, mm. all those different things that, you know, just it makes it harder to take advantage of you in that way. Yeah. I agree with, I have an eight year old son and he's in jiu-jitsu with me.
0: Um, I've gotten him rolling since he was three, both of us. He surfs and he fights too, just like his dad. And I got him into it at a young age because as a dad, like, you know, our, one of our biggest fears is that if the kids go to school or go to a playground and you can't be with them 24-7. And it breaks your heart to think that somebody's going to pick on them. So us as, a, as, as fathers, I think owe it to our kids to, to teach them how to throw a punch. Get them in the classes that's going to give them A, it's going to give them confidence that if Billy on the on the street or Billy in school wants to push you from behind, you're not just going to, like you said, in the video, the guy didn't know what to do, or you have fight or flight, right? There's got to be a point where you get back into a corner. You need to know how to throw a punch. You need to know how to defend yourself. And that's why I think it's hugely beneficial for kids at an early age to get into it. Um, Unfortunately, not everybody has done, like I've been around fighting for 20 plus years, but not everybody, even as an adult, is comfortable in conflict. Um, And so I just, I post about things that like I know, like a tactical parking or like the gas station one things that I've just been instilled in my head throughout all my trainings. I do a lot of tactical stuff. Um, I just want to share with, with the average person um, because when I do go to these tactical trainings, I went one with Tim Kennedy. He's a UFC fighter and he's also a Green Beret uh, uh, sniper. And when I go to these classes, I think, okay, everybody paid X amount of money to be here. They got to have some level of, of skill. And then for like the, the Tim Kennedy class, it was a Sheepdog Response. We did like six, seven hours of fighting, hand to hand combat, and then we do shooting at night. And I'm surprised that the average person who even takes these courses, obviously they wanna learn how to defend themselves, don't know the basic rules on the ground, Um, the body leverage, the way, you know, how to position yourself, how to see things coming before they happen. Um, And I guess it's just my, you know, my years of fighting that it's just automatic now Um, then that's kind of what I want to relay to people is, you know, it might be basic to some people who are at higher levels of tactical or Jiu-Jitsu or Brazilian or whatever, or black belts. But I want to make that accessible to the average person because this world is only getting crazier, Um, especially out here in California. They want to take our guns. Um, The criminals out here have more rights sometimes than than the average upstanding citizen. And it's time to change that. It's time to get average people standing up for themselves. Like you, I mean, I I practice for worst case scenarios all the time. And people think I'm crazy, but you know what? If somebody comes walking in that door, I know where my weapons are. I know where things gotta have to be to protect myself and my family. And that's I mean, we all are in mastermind groups to get higher, go, you know, level up in business and make more money and drive those Lambos. But if you can't defend yourself, what's the point of driving a Lambo if you go out and get carjacked? Which in LA right now, people are following those cars. And physically assaulting those people and taking their shit. So to me, it kind of goes hand in hand. Yes, elevate in business and excel and do all that. But also, you got to you, you sharpen the tools of self-defense because what's the, ni- what's the point of having nice stuff if you can't keep it because you're getting jumped for it and stuff? So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just, you know, all about defending yourself at a young age and
1: starting young and just, you know, having that confidence instilled in you at a, at a very young age. Yeah, I, I think, and, and I think there's, we could talk for hours on this. I think there's societal changes, even, you know, from when I was a kid and that was just common, common thought is to be able to defend yourself. And now it's like, you know, flight, fight or fight. Most of the time it's flight. And in some situations you don't necessarily want to run.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, there's, you know, I look at in Houston, just, yeah, sadly, and I don't know if we're still outpacing Chicago or not, but there for a while this year, we're outpacing the, the country in murders. I mean, it's like every time I turn on the news, like somebody's getting murdered. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, there's it is dangerous out there. And I, I think people need to get over this perception that, oh, you know, what you and I are in mastermind groups, there's always this positivity and things are great and, you know, talk talk good things and, you know, there is no bad. And it's like, no, there, there is evil and there is bad. And we've got to be prepared for that um, in in all ways possible. Because like you said, you can go have this great life and do everything, and it can be taken from you in an instant.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, people think that I'm kind of like a paranoid guy, but I'm not. I walk outside and, you know, I do a quick quick surveillance. And, you know, I'm not sitting rolling, rolling from bush to bush to try to get to my car. I'm just using common sense. And, It's kept me alive. I've never, you know, knock on wood, you know, the basic things that I've I've done and, and taught my family, like we have safe words. If I say watermelon, um, they know to get behind me and, or, or to kind of like big peacock, like look around, there's something that dad's noticing that we need to pay attention to. Um, but yeah, our, our country is, is getting stranger and stranger by the day. And why not gear yourself and give yourself the tools that you need to thrive in it? And so I think that, you know, being safe is, is hundred percent what we need to get to the next level.
1: Do you think, do you think in a lot of these instances, I, I know with the videos that you share, and I think I know what the answer is, but I want to hear you is, do you think they're looking for the people that just aren't paying attention? hundred percent. Um, look at nature
0: shows the lions go after, right. They separate the herd. They go after the weak. If you have a busted leg, you're not going to survive in the wild same thing. We're animals, right? Predators have that instilled in their head. They don't want to go for somebody who's going to fight back. You don't see too many basketball players getting jumped out on the street. Why? Because they're over six, five, seven foot tall. They're going to be a problem. What you do see getting or the people that you do see are the small women or the small men or anybody who's not paying attention. You know, most of us walk around and going from point A to B with their head down, looking in their phone. walk out your door right now you can see five people doing it it's just you know you hate to see it but it's it's those kind of mentality those those kind of things and traits that we need to tilt you know you spread the message enough times like people now are telling me on instagram going wow you know my mom even said i'm no longer walking out of the grocery store with my head in my phone in, in my phone and looking down so the predators are watching you You might not think you're being watched and, you know, we're all on camera now. If you go to the bank, you're you're all over the place, but predators are watching you. Like I said, in one of my posts, they're watching you get pumped the gas. Are you going to pump the gas and then go sit in your car with your head down? Because they're watching you. And if they want to make you a victim, they'll, they'll they're they're strategizing how to get you. So what I tell people is in the gas station, pump your gas, stand three or four feet back from your car so you can see every angle of your car and pumping gas doesn't have to be fun right but you can just keep your head on a swivel it's five minutes out of your time but most people are getting jacked because their heads are down or they're right up against that pump just sitting there zoning out and somebody comes around from the car or this and that i can show you tons of videos but predators want easy prey i mean it's just the nature of who we are as, as people and humans they don't want like if a If a cat doesn't want to be held, right? A little small. Because most people tell me, well, I'm a small 100-pound woman. I can't defend myself. Wrong. 100% wrong. And I use the analogy, if a cat doesn't want to. There's a a video that went viral of a big, muscular, kind of like uh, nature guy. He's like, oh, look at this nice little cat. And that cat flipped out. Clawed him What's that? It tore him up, I bet. Yeah, it totally clawed. He's screaming like a girl, like, oh, my God. It was clawing at his. The cat didn't want to be held, right? So if you take that mentality and put it in anybody, like if you talk, if you want to grab my eight-year-old son, he's going to make life hard for you. He knows where to hit, he knows how to hit, and he is going to hit you and, and thrash around. Predators don't want that, so they'll see me walking with him, and you know we're, we walk around pretty vigilant and aware. But most people, you could see videos of, of women, you know, on their phone with their stroller. People come up, grab the kids, and run. And, and hopefully, and unfortunately enough, a lot of bystanders kind of jump in, but not all the time. You can't depend on other people. And I'm a big supporter of police and I'm not knocking them at all. But when you call 911, it's going to take a while for them to get there, you know, sometimes five to seven minutes, whatever the case may be. But you need to be your first responder. You need to be the person who, yes, call 911, but also have a plan of where maybe some weapons somewhere. These are weapons, feet, whatever. You, you need to have a strategy and a plan. Just like if we were going to start a business, we have a business outline or a business, um, you know, I forget what it's called right now, but a, a business plan, right? You have an outline. We'll have the same thing. Somebody walks in my door at two in the morning, I have a plan. I have weapons. I know where to, I know where my kid's room is, where if I have to shoot, I know where I'm not shooting at. And I have a guy who will come in here and attack me. And we run drills and do all this. And it's just just like everything. If you're going to throw a football, you don't throw a football once and say, I'm ready for the NFL, right? Repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. You got to keep doing these things until they're down drilled into your head to where you react and you react in a positive way and attack violence with violence. And not everybody can do it. Not everybody, you know, has that fight or flight mode, but everybody can train. To increase your chances of not being a victim, becoming hard to kill. I'm not telling everybody they're going to go out there and have a week of training with somebody that I may know or myself, and you're going to be ready to fight Mike Tyson. But I want to increase your chances if somebody does come at you, you're not going to be the victim. You're going to make that you're going to make that attacker feel like, oh, shit, I just attacked the wrong person. This isn't going. <clears throat> this isn't going well for me. So that's what it's we want to of,
1: do. It's kind of like that guy that uh, was messing with Mike Tyson on the plane. He was not prepared for that.
0: Well, honestly, I think he was. I think he was baiting. I think he was baiting Tyson.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: but and Tyson knows that. And my question to Tyson is one: Why is he on a, a, a regular flight? Why isn't he flying private? And he lives out here in Newport. Um, and two, you know, Mike has a handler, a guy who's watching him that if there's more of that video where that guy's completely hammered he's he's keep antagonizing 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 and i think you knew it because now he's getting a payday he's going after mike tyson's money but there's you know there's there's different mentality of people because we have a fine high moral ground doesn't mean everybody does there's different levels of crazy like when i tell people don't get into a road rage incident because if you might think hey um, you know, this might be your, your middle finger might be you being expressing anger, right? And you drive off. Well, to somebody that could be, he, he spent half his life in prison, that means a deathly threat. And now he's coming after you to kill you. And you just wanted to express some anger because you got cut off. So don't engage in things when you don't have to. And I know it's hard for most people, you want to do the big peacock, and you want to say, Oh, you cut me off everybody has a different level of crazy. And, I, and, I, and I've been in some scenarios where I ask my mentors of fighting and they're like, why, what, what were you going to gain? Were you going to get an attaboy from me? No. Were you going to probably put yourself in jail and, and have a lot more you know, uh, uh, consequences because you have a life, you have a money coming in, you have all this nice stuff. That person, you know, I've had a knife pulled on me and I've always asked him what should I have done or how could I have handled it differently? And there's always different answers and there's no one right answer, but every different, every situation has different outcomes and different, you know, things that you can do and things
1: that you can do to help you not be a victim. Yeah. So true. All right. I want to get to a little bit lighter side. What's the biggest wave you've ever surfed? Ah, uh, the biggest wave I've ever surfed. Um, it <clears throat> was actually last
0: year. There's, well, I've been to Hawaii. I've surfed about 10 to 15, all within the 10 to 15 range. So I've been in Hawaii, served some big stuff in Honolulu Bay. One of the biggest and scariest times was in actually Huntington Beach. Um, I, I forget, we all have, there's storms, there's names for storms. And I don't know this one, but it was a big one and I was getting ready to paddle out and the, the fog bank came in. So I never saw the waves, never saw how big they were, but the, the fog was coming in. So we, we paddled out underneath the pier. And underneath the pier, while we were getting ready, a guy says, do not go in the water. The waves are too big. We don't want to save anybody. We can't see you. Well, my dumbass didn't think about that. And I paddled straight out. And when you paddle out, usually you have to duck dive under waves to get out there. I had dry hair. And I was like, well, how big can the waves be if I have dry hair? And then the fog, we didn't know where we were at. But I found a group of people and we're like, I don't know how big it is. And we kind of look. And we just see this black mountain coming at us. It's, it's, it's just coming at us so quickly because we're in the fog and it had to have been about a 15, 20 foot wave and we all scrambled and kicked out and got under it. But um, I, I caught a 15 foot that day. I was just out in Cabo last year or uh, yeah, last July and a big, big hurricane came through and <clears throat> again, surfed about 12, 15 footer out there. So I'd say about the 10 to 15 foot range is where I, you know, i'll surf comfortably and then once it gets past that you got to start the risk versus reward right
1: (laughs) no no 50 no no 50 footers for you
0: no 50 footers you know it's i was out at jaws one time that's a place in maui and they were filming that show uh point break two and i mean boats are getting flipped over it's huge and it's massive and a lot of people think that the riding the wave is actually the hard part for surfers that's the actual if you get on that wave it's 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 pretty doable but if you fall then you're going to get tossed and turned and that's what you got to train for that's what people aren't prepared for because you got to hold your breath and sometimes up to a minute and a half but if you can sit here and hold your breath for a minute and a half you know that might be doable for some people but if you go into the water and are getting tossed and turned like a rag doll like a wash machine trying to hold your breath 10 seconds seems like forever so now these guys have an inflatable vest where they pop the they pull the plug and they C2 cartridges and they shoot them up to the surface real quick. And then you got to hope, hope your buddy with the jet ski because he's going to pick you up real quick before another wave
1: hits you in the head. So <laughs> Kind of like fighting. You got to be prepared for everything. There you go. So speaking of being prepared for everything, how do you prepare for sharks?
0: Um, you, you, you kind of know where those are at. There's some certain spots that I know where there's sightings. I know there's a spot out here that a woman got attacked, but, uh, you can't really be prepared for that one. You just got to know, Hey, like you don't surf really well. I'm going to say this, but I surf at all times. Whenever the wind, you don't want to surf in, in the dawn, but, but we have dawn patrol. So I paddle out in the dark. I've done all the things that they tell you not to do um it's kind of like just w- when it's your time it's your time because there's not a whole lot you can do to you know once and 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 i don't like you know i i don't have a hate relationship with sharks i i step into their environment um so i know if it happens it happens but i use common sense especially now that i surf with my son a lot and if we see something out of the norm we get out of the water or you know we have a lot of friends in a community where Hey, I saw a shark out here the other day, or, you know, we, we all are pretty aware of where they're at. Um, but I did see one when I was a kid, about 16 out, uh, San Onofre out here and there was nobody out in the water. It was just me. And I did a double take and dolphins will do the up and down technique. Sharks just skim with that fin like jaws. And I did a double take and nothing I could tell you will no, it's just the worst feeling in the world because okay, I saw the shark now. I turned around and tried to get back into shore. And the feeling of the anticipation of that thing coming up and get me, I'll never forget that. Like it's it is scary, <laughs> it is scary, just as scary as you think it might have, might be. But uh, I got out of Dodge and was running up the beach going, There's a shark out there. And you know, I told my cousin, he said, Oh, yeah, that's a tiger shark, it hangs out of trail one. I said, I did not know a tiger shark hung out at trail one, but. They're scary, but not a whole lot we can do about it, right? We're out there in their ocean, and if they decide today's the day, but they usually don't. They, you know, most of them that do bite and attack people, they have they bite once, realize it's not a seal, and then they swim off. But unfortunately, that one bite does a lot of damage, and you
1: know, I, I don't want to find out how it feels, but no, it'll make you. If you remember, I'm sure, yeah. So Josh, you've started this Savage Syndicate and it sounds really, really cool. And tell us how, if people are wanting to get involved in this, like what is the first step they should take? So we don't have the website up
0: currently. I'm actually working on that right now, but you can email me. Uh, My email is just my name, josh.brisbane at gmail.com. I can put you on the list and have you guys, I'll send you any information as soon as it comes out. You can follow me on Instagram, uh, surf1619. And um, I, I have a podcast, it's called the Savage Waterman Podcast, but I've kind of just filtered that into my normal uh, Instagram feed. And then I also have happy beach vibe. Um, if you guys want some, the Shaka part of, part of the surfing culture, uh, I got the shirt here. Uh, we just have a lot of good vibes, a lot of uh, beach attire, hats, shirts, and uh, just spreading the, the Shaka vibe. So it's kind of a combination of my shaka, happy, low key, happy beach vibe. And my savage syndicate is like,
1: let's teach you how to be hard to kill. So it combines two worlds together. And that's awesome. I, I really enjoy having gotten to know you and being able to see you take the things that you're really passionate about. Yeah. Turning it into something that can help, help others. Um, I think there's something to that when you can turn a passion into something that serves and, and that's, that's what I've seen in you and, and commend you for that. And i um, really glad to have gotten to know you through, through Mike's Center Circle. You've been a, a cool guy to get to know.
0: Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate it. And yeah, that's really what the passion is about, is helping other people just learn the skills that I've acquired throughout my fighting career and introduce people that, you know, I'm not the best at everything I do, but introduce people to have more skills than I do and just making a network of uh of people being hard to kill that's what i want to do
1: awesome well josh thank you again today and and let's all work on staying hard to kill perfect
0: thank you jeremy thanks for having me i appreciate it and talk to you soon thank you for listening to the survive scale soar podcast If you heard something that made a difference in your life today, share it with someone that might benefit and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Learn more about the host of this podcast and coaching services offered by Red Hawk Coaching by visiting www.redhawkcoaching.com.